0: Welcome to Musician. I'm your host, Andrew Lapau. Let's start the show. Get on that bird and go! I'm on the plane like the highway A portion of this thing we do with my way It's raining out there so do I play gentlemen welcome to another episode of musician this week's guest we have mary bragg she is a singer-songwriter from georgia she spent uh, many years living and working in new york city she now lives in nashville and she will be releasing an ep on april 7th titled edge of this town and we'll be having an ep release party on april 6th at the basement at nine o'clock Uh, The cool thing about this EP is that Mary won a contest uh, by a company called Zoolabs that flew her out to a studio in Northern California with her husband, Jimmy Sullivan, and they recorded this, they produced this EP. Um, And so without further ado, here's my interview with Mary Bragg. Enjoy. Enjoy.
1: Sparklers right past our
2: Caster.
0: okay well <laughs> i'd like to know since we met at becky warren's house oh, wow. but i met jimmy oh, before yeah. through yeah. ben at the building um i'd like to know a little bit about your transition from new york city to nashville yeah and also i mean what just just what got you into music you know let's yeah. start from the top what got you into music
2: what got me okay um
1: Whitney Houston. <laughs> um,
2: no, seriously, I grew up listening to a lot of um, really great singers, and at some point in, I think, you know, early elementary school, I realized that I had a bit of ability to mimic um, people who I like to listen to, and and so I started doing it, you know, and 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 just had a real passion for singing, and then. Started singing in church, started singing at school, and um, just constantly sang. Whether by myself or in a, um, a, a, a like a trio at school was a big thing for me, and mm-hmm. and uh, church choir was the thing.
0: And then Were you a there, natural? Were people always like, "Wow, you're such a great singer! You're yeah, a natural at this.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's it's a real blessing. I I, I um. I don't know. I don't remember a time that I couldn't sing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, over the years, it's, I've gotten better and more interested in kind of perfecting my abilities and having more control over my voice and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is definitely kind of in my DNA just mm-hmm. having a, a, a good voice and, and knowing what to do with it.
0: That's, that's awesome. My yeah. sister is like that. Like, she was born uh-huh. with the uh-huh. golden pipes yeah. and never took a lesson in her life, uh-huh. but could just <laughs> sing, like, whatever, but never pursued it because it just came so naturally. Yeah. But, um, yeah, she's a blogger now. That's what she was. <laughs> no we <we're laughs> singing for her. Huh? <laughs> uh-uh. um, but, yeah, so you just, you did church, you did school choir. And, I did. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so in high school I was, um, you know, going to, like, Um, literary competitions and whatnot and and did sort of have informal vocal training at Mm -hmm. that point Um, I was also like preparing to audition for music school and so I had a little bit of um, formal training from um, this awesome awesome musician um, teacher in my hometown named Charles Duster and, um, he sort of got me into the music program at Georgia, just like preparing me for my audition and whatnot. And then, and then at Georgia, I was a music major for like, as long as I could keep up. And then I totally dropped out, <laughs> okay. but I continued, um, voice lessons there. Cause I was mm-hmm. on a full scholarship and my voice okay. teacher loved me and I loved her, but I realized I didn't want to, um, you know, continue along in a program that was really meant for people who wanted to like go onto to the met and be an opera singer. And that right. was never quite me. so and it was a very
0: classical super classical
2: yeah. program. And I loved it. And there obviously is so much to be learned from that kind of um experience and and teaching. and i've I think what was interesting about the experience was, I think I respected the program so much and realized that I that I was almost kind of a waste of their time yeah. because I loved it and, and, and was super interested in it, but it wasn't where my heart was. And I really wanted to be, like, writing songs and playing shows at night. And my sweet voice professor, Stephanie Pierce, was like, so if you want to go on to the Met, you really should think about um, – you know, focusing on that and only that. And anyway, we kind of together decided that, that that wasn't what I wanted, Mm -hmm. but she was willing to continue working with me. Um, so I did have formal voice lessons for three solid years at the university of Georgia. It was great.
0: And were you playing guitar and writing songs at this point?
2: Yeah. I mean, I was super amateur at playing guitar and super amateur at writing songs. Um, my friend Dave and I were in a band together in college and he really encouraged me right. Like, so I graduated early. I was one of these I've always been super ambitious. And (laughs) so I graduated in three years. And, um, that fourth year I stayed in Athens and made a record with my friend, Dave, who since has gone on to become Lady and Bellum. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> you didn't know that? No, we didn't yeah. know that. So, right. so he was the one really who was like, hey, we should probably make a record. Like, why don't you listen to these, like, demos I'm going to send you? And and they would literally just like be like, it's very Dave who would like. Yeah. Like something as basic as that. Mm-hmm. And I would just like. Literally come up with a, a lyric and melody on top of that. Okay, And so that was really kind of my first practice at co-writing. And then once we finished that record, that's when I moved to New York. And I was like, all right, so how do I keep doing this um, in the context of writing, you know, figuring out what it is that I wanted to write, not just, you know, maybe what I think I should be writing, which is at the time I thought I should be writing like Pop. top 40 country yeah. songs. But um, now I know that that wasn't really what I was meant for.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you could, I mean, I've heard some of your songs where you, that are very personal to you, yeah. but then you're also, but you also are called on to be a writer, like to co-write with yeah. for people who are trying to do yeah top 40 stuff. Like yeah, you get, you get your, <laughs> you can get into a lot of different areas.
2: I, yeah, I tell you what, being in Nashville has been um, super awesome in that way because you know, the town kind of supports all facets of writing, mm-hmm. whether it's for yourself or for other people, you know, because it, like people on the road know that um, in order to write some quote unquote hit song, you have to just write all the time and get out those songs that may or may not be approachable for the you know, mass commercial audience. Mm-hmm. But, but sometimes it might take writing those songs to get to the ones that might be super hooky
0: that's That's very deep because you well really, because um actually Guthrie Trapp was on the podcast just a few days ago, mm-hmm. and he was talking about his one of his best friends is yeah. a hit songwriter, yeah. but he's got this whole collection of songs yeah. that are so personal and yeah. so beautiful that we'll never see the light of day right. on radio, yeah, <clears throat> but we'll write the cheesiest song with another person, yeah. and you know that'll be a hit
2: totally, I mean, I have a song that um. <laughs> Sometimes when you write them and you just know that they're going to be something that like you would never play yourself or at least like you would never play at your own show. So I have this world of like being a writer and also being an artist and, uh, you know, there's just a song I wrote with my friend Sarah Jane Nelson and it's called you look like Hill and it's this girlfriend song that like is super pop country and it's cute and, and, and super sing alongable but it's never something that, like, Mary Bragg's an artist would do. And I've gotten a totally great response from people on the road that are like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be great. And there's this little duo out of Arizona that wants to cut the song. And, cool. and so, listen, I'm all for it because, you know, writing, whatever you're writing, I think, is it deserves to be written. Like, like that that song is super cheesy, but it was my idea. Like, it yeah. came from somewhere – inside of me and and we just that day when we sat down to write we just gave that credence I think it's important to really listen to those ideas and and just go down that road like some days you're going to write a super like your friend was saying like Guthrie was saying about his friend um, you just have to let it happen you can't be like oh this is beneath me or like it's not mm-hmm. my style or whatever because it doesn't even matter who's going to sing the song but if you're a songwriter you better write that song mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah
0: 'Cause yeah. I mean, the the ideas come and they kinda want yeah. to be they want you, you gotta give it life. Yeah and you gotta finish it. Totally. Um so you write every day. I, I do, guess. pretty yeah. much, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it's so much easy it's so much easier said than done to do that. Even though, like, you know, you got to give... I guess, I don't know. you just got to be disciplined. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: you know what's interesting about it is, like, you know, having Jimmy here and sitting in the room with you, y'all are both such incredible musicians, and you're experts at your instruments, and I like to see myself as an expert at writing. Like, I like to treat it like... Um, I, though I'll back up and say I am not an expert at writing, I'm, but I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to become an expert at practicing the craft. Yeah. Just like you guys are... are, are Totally um, regimented about rehearsing. Like Jimmy rehearses two hours a day, like mm-hmm. no joke, every single day. He like come hell or high water, he's gonna play his bass every two hours a day. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing that I um, impress upon myself. I mean, as a writer, you, I mean, I feel like even when I'm not actually writing, I'm writing. Like like right now, I'm not writing, but I'm writing. Like something yeah. is going on in the back of my mind right now mm-hmm. that's gonna come out Take later. News, yeah, yeah, and and. Um, but but, you know, actual writing, yeah, I do. I, I like to like this coming week. I have, you know, I had two co writes yesterday and I have like five on the books for this coming week and and that um is great and it's a lot of writing but but um feels good yeah. and, and I'm so glad to like finally be doing this all the time.
0: Are you really getting into the flow of it or does it just feel like a lot of work when you write?
2: Um Mostly the former. I mean, you know, does it feel like a lot of work? Is it trying to write? No, because mm-hmm. I love it so much, and I'm so into the challenges that you come across when you write. Like, um, in writing with so many different people, there inevitably are a multitude of different challenges because everyone is at, like, a different level of ability and, and experience. And so sometimes... Um, you know, you come across a situation with one writer that that you wouldn't come across with, with someone else. But um, you know, I just I I just kind of dig in and I'm so invested in the right when I'm in it that like it doesn't feel like work because it's just so invigorating. Yeah. <laughs> just I'm so addicted to That's it now. Great. It's like a really unhealthy addiction.
0: <laughs> and does it does it get easier when there's more people involved or does it get harder?
2: Ah man. <laughs> You know, people call them three-ways. I actually don't like three-ways. I know that's kind of awkward, but everyone <laughs> seems to call them three-ways. Um, so I've only done a few rites with two other people in the room, and um, you know, they're, they're cool. It's very different because you just kind of listen to the room in a different way, but if there are just two of you in the room, um, something about it feels very intimate, mm-hmm. and connected and no one you know you're not really like trying to assess what the other person is thinking because you kind of know what they're thinking right. but when there's a third person in the room it's like oh wait I was only paying attention to this person but now I have to pay attention to this person so it ends up um it's hard right now so far in my experience in the in, in rights writes with more people than two in the room it, it has been a challenge um sometimes those are really cool songs though but I don't know I think you just have to be like willing to Um, to, to be cool with that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, did, so do you, when you, you started as a co-writer, so like. Yeah, that's a
2: good point. Did I start as a co-writer? I think the first song I ever wrote was a solo write. Um, but it was really bad. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. What does that make me? Um, well, I guess
0: you, you've been used to co-writing since you started writing songs. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I never did, like, mm-hmm. you know, until mm-hmm. I moved to Nashville, yeah. and people were like, oh, we should write sometime, and, and like, it would just blew my like, what? <laughs> <laughs> are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> people were joking at the time, and then, like, it was so naive of me, because that's how these songs that hit the radio are written. They're written by... A lot of them are. Some, sometimes five, six... Seven people yeah. on the thing. And...
2: That kind of thing really kind of weirds me out. I don't even know how, like, especially in the pop world, I don't know how that many people end up on a record. Usually it's, like, a bunch of producers who end up getting songwriting credit or whatever. Um, mm. But sometimes it's actually the case that, like, a multitude of people contribute to one lyric. It's like, are you serious?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... Um, so for me, I guess I, I, when I did do some co-writes, it did kind of come easy because I co-wrote with people that also didn't really know how to co-write, mm-hmm. and so we were like, well, let's just try to do this. Yeah. Guess, and then it that's really fun. It. I mean, yeah.
2: that's, you know, I think it's cool to write with people who, are at the same level as you because there's no pressure, and it's not like you're trying to prove yourself. Excuse me. You're just, <clears throat> you're just trying to, you know respect the song in that space like whatever we can do together to advance the idea forward you know it doesn't matter who does it Mm. you know and and oftentimes that's really great
0: do you find yourself when you're co-writing if someone pitches a bad lyric and they're really behind it but you're like oh i don't like that you know how do you negotiate that how do you
2: negotiate that well i'll say that um that sometimes i pitch really bad ideas that i'm like yeah this is it and my co-writer might be like And, you know, I have to listen to that because if it, you know, well, I have kind of one major rule of thumb with co-writing, and that is that both people in the room or all people in the room have to be fully behind what you're doing. Because if you're going to spend, like, you know, a total of four or eight or ten hours of your life on a song, or oftentimes way more than that, Mm -hmm. um, then, you know, it needs to be something that you're both super proud of. And, and, you know, I just don't agree that, like, that, you know, one thing should be left in there if one of the people thinks that it's, like, a really great lyric. Because the idea is, like, if it doesn't bowl both of you over, then it's probably not worth being in the song.
0: That's cool. So there's is there better feedback with... Oh, Yeah, yeah.
2: I, like even just yesterday I had a couple of co-writes and 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 I always kind of go in making that clear to people I'm like listen I well, I'm going to be honest with you about what I think about stuff and I want you to be equally honest with me because um because our song is going to suffer if we're not honest with each other like and we're we're both going to walk away kind of pretending that we totally like the song but we maybe maybe we don't and yeah. and if you are honest with each other as you're going along about Whatever it is, whether it's the melody or the feel or the one word. I mean, last night, my friend Liz and I were like slaving over an article. Was it going to be a or the? Oh,
0: <laughs> and uh, the reality
2: uh, is like, you know, that matters. Yeah. It very much matters. And so you spend like the five minute conversation on whether or not you're going to do a or the. Mm-hmm. And, and then you together decide what it's going to be and then you move on, you know, so that like the the idea is that you're both fully into it.
0: Hmm. That's cool. <laughs> I love how how passionate you are about the whole, yeah. whole process of that thing.
2: <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, I'm super passionate about it, but I also <laughs> try to be, when I can be, um, you know, easygoing about it. Because, mm-hmm. like, some of the time, you're gonna. Oh, and I will say, um, you know, you do come out with really bad ideas, and and and. Um, I took this songwriting class one time with Pat Pattison and he's like, you have to get stupid with it. You have to just, and both people in the room, everybody in the room has to be like throwing the most ridiculous ideas against the wall. Um, just like what we were saying before, with some songs are going to be this, and some songs are going to be super deep or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, same goes for... Um, Ideas of all kinds. You're gonna you're gonna come out with the most cliche things in the world, and you're gonna know that they're dumb, and you're not gonna put them in the song. But sometimes you have to just say that get junk out it. loud, yeah. get through it, so that like, oh well, how can how can we fool around with that cliche and make it super clever, or not even trying to be clever, but just different and original in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think <clears throat> I think it's super important to respect. Yourself, I keep saying that word, <laughs> respect, respect, respect. <laughs> but it is kind of all about that because not only are you trying to respect the song that you're trying to finish, you're respecting the other person in the room, and you're respecting yourself um, as you're throwing these ideas out. Even if you know they're not going to be super great ideas, you just have to realize that, like, you know what? Every day you're not going to come up with the most beautiful thing in the world. But right now in this moment you're going to get past some of the junk so that the good stuff can get through.
0: hmm that makes sense. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so, yeah. I wanna, do you want to play a song? Yeah. I think it would be a good time since we're talking about it.
2: Yeah, yeah. and co-writing. This is, um, we'll play Treehouse. This is from um, our new EP that's oh. coming out April 7th, 2015. Uh, yes. Super excited about it. Um, it's going to be the, the lead single off the EP.
3: All right. <laughs>
2: okay, this Are is, um, I wrote this with my friend Sarah Eiley. Um, and it's called
1: Treehouse <laughs> He put a big old window So I could marvel at the moon Dreaming stars
0: it, I guess, mm-hmm. is a good word for mm-hmm. it. Because it's okay. Yeah. This is my analysis. Since it's the second time I've heard that song, um, <laughs> it's you're, yeah. It's the exact feeling of like you're you're pushing and you're gonna get home. Yeah. and it's yeah, yeah. it's nice. Yeah, know, it. thank you. Do you like when people analyze your music? Yes, do you analyze it all. The Absolutely. Time? Yeah, um, that's all I do is I analyze <laughs> music. Um, That's a good good thing to do. Do you go home a lot? Or do you see home a lot? Do I
2: see home? You know what's funny is like, when I sing that song, I think about all of the homes that are home to me. Mm -hmm. You know, home is you know, right here with my husband, Jimmy Sullivan, that's Jimmy Sullivan on the base, everybody. (laughs) Home is, is wherever we are, um, wherever we are with our precious little baby girl puppy. (laughs) I call her my baby girl with our dog. Like literally, um, home feels like where our family is. Um, but yeah, I also do picture my, the home I grew up in, Mm -hmm. um, you know, where, where my big giant family is. And, and I think of home as not, necessarily the place but um, you know where they are so I do feel at home with them even though I mean the, the home that I grew up in is very much home for okay. me and still there my parents still live there it's wonderful to go back there um, I would say it's,
0: it's around Savannah. Did you? Grow it's up?
2: like oh, it's it's around basically nothing. It's it's <laughs> a it's a really small town. Um, it's 70 miles inland from Savannah. Okay. Um, two and a half hours south of Atlanta. It's called Swainsboro, and <laughs> <laughs> and it's um it's a wonderful little town. And and I do get back. I'd say you know three ish times a year, which is
3: okay.
2: um, kind of. Kind of feels not enough because we're much closer now than we used to be in New York, but um, but we do get to see family a lot because they are super fans of ours and they come out to our shows all the time, which <laughs> is awesome. great. Yeah.
0: Do they do the folks come to Nashville? And...
2: They have come to Nashville twice now in the year and some change that we've been here, and and they do. Um, they, for example, would not have missed um, the first time I played the Bluebird. Right. And that was um, this past uh, December twenty eighth.
0: What was that like?
2: It was great, you know, kind of a kind of a wonderful moment. You know some um, some people don't like to do the whole, you know, official audition process. That I you went through that did yeah, you and waited online. I waited. I, well, first you have to like, you know aggressively get yourself a slot through the online sign-up process which Mm -hmm. is like being at your computer on the right day at the right time just to get a spot at the audition and then you wait in line Mm -hmm. which is like two weeks after you get your spot and then you wait in line for your audition and you have to be there for like four hours and then you wait like a month to find out whether or not you passed damn and then when I passed they gave me a date that was like Four months from that point. So there was like a lot of buildup. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you, you know, it's sure a you total. Were in town. Huh. You're not, you're, oh, you're, of course. You know? I mean, yeah, you'd like, yeah, we would have like rescheduled a tour. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, I just, I just, I love people that love songwriters. And that, you know, the Bluebird, Erica, and all the people who run the Bluebird, they love music. They love songs. And they have, you know, Despite the recent fame that the place has gotten as a, as a result of television, it's still the same place that it always has been, and it still is a great place to, you know, meet people and, mm-hmm. and get heard or whatever, and, mm-hmm. and I just, I love that, and I'm super happy to be a part of it. I'll be back there on May 17th. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Nice. How
0: well, long is your set going to be, Nina?
2: Um, on May seventeenth, it's a it's a Sunday writers' night. So when they um, when you pass your audition, you get um, a slot on a Sunday writers' night, and mm-hmm. you get to play three songs. Okay. Um, and in a row, or do you get it's in a row. row? Okay. It's in a row, um, and then you sit back down and you listen to the rest of the writers and. And then you do that again four months later.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: Well, that's cool. Yeah.
0: That's great. Yeah. Um, something to look forward to. Yeah. I don't like the writer's nights where you play a song and then someone else plays a song and then someone else plays a song and then it goes... You
4: mean in the round?
2: Yeah, in the you round. You don't like... Okay.
0: I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> Jimmy's that... shaking his head. He doesn't like it either. <laughs> I don't
4: like it either. I, I, I'm invested when I hear a song there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like it's just too weird yeah. to have six people. Oh, I like this person. Oh, not so much. Not right. Five people. Well, you know, it's
2: I it's funny. I used to not like rounds. Um, mm-hmm. because it is kind of a it is a very different experience than like going to see a show. But in defense of rounds I'll say that the point of them is the song. The point is mm-hmm. to focus on the song itself, the lyric, the, you know, not the artist, not mm. the person singing it. So, so the point is to, um, you know, share as many songs as possible and and kind of have it be this this um, neighborly experience. And so, according to um, Bluebird history, the quote unquote round was um, was coined at the Bluebird. So a couple of um, super famous songwriters were like, "Hey, let me go play a show, but why don't we just do like one after another, and we'll mm-hmm. just sit in a circle and play some songs?" And that is how it came to be in the round at the Bluebird. Um, and I actually love frowns now, going to the Bluebird and seeing yeah. it because it is just a super unique experience. So I'll, yeah. I won't go on about that, but um, <laughs> but but yeah, I think I think the Bluebird is a special place.
0: Um, do you think that uh, what what brought you to Nashville from New York City? Because you spent. 10 years in mm-hmm. New York City? Mm-hmm. So you left college and you went straight to New York mm-hmm. and uh, to be a songwriter.
2: Um, I went to New York to, like, figure out life. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good
0: place to do it. Yeah.
2: You know, I people ask me that a lot because, you know, being from South Georgia, you, most people don't expect you to, like, move to a big, giant city that's super far from home. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for me, I guess something about new york was so you know obviously different than my hometown and what everything i knew and and you know when i had visited there like the first time i went to new york was literally on church choir tour we went to new york city to sing in the choir at various places okay. and like serve soup at a homeless right. shelter you know yeah. um so something about it you know really um invigorated me and got me excited about sort of seeing other things that I hadn't been exposed to and and so after school I really wanted to um kind of you know figure out what it is in life that I wanted and and I found that to be a really cool place to do that um
3: that's
2: cool yeah and then I kind of you know I had had the New York bug um for a while, and by the time I got there, you know the bug just kind of doesn't leave you, and and I think Jimmy would agree that like you know you you kind of get sucked up to its sucked into its awesomeness um, as a city, and then you know sort of uh, a roundabout story of like how we ended up in Nashville. You know we had been. Um, Jimmy and I met in New York. I needed a bass player, and and totally uh, got Jimmy's number from our mutual friend Jack, and um, that's how we met. And and um, you know, we both kind of got wrapped up in in New York. And what that means for musicians is you have to have some kind of an other job. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, you know, I was a secretary on Wall Street for ten years, basically. And that, yeah. yeah, and that was, um, I mean, I was an executive assistant, but basically that means glorified <laughs> secretary. Yeah. And, um, and I was, I'm still to this day, I'm very thankful for that experience because not only did it teach me a lot about business, but it also, um, funded my records, you know, right. um, mostly, With the help of you
0: got big Wall Street backers. Well, (laughs) well,
2: no. What I mean is my (laughs) salary funded the record. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no. I was gonna say though that that for tattoos and bruises, my third record, we um, we did do a Kickstarter campaign, and by the you know the grace of all those fans, we raised quite a bit of money for for that record. So it was it was with um, that cash that we raised through Kickstarter, and also um, you know having a job that not only paid the bills but but um, allowed us to kind of do what we wanted to do, but simultaneously it didn't allow us to do what we wanted to do. So eventually Jimmy and I both got so wrapped up in our jobs that we were like, what are we doing? All we want to do is play music all the time. And so we started to sort of witness what our friends were doing in Nashville and seeing that they were able to do it um, full time without, you know, having to do this other job that um, essentially takes away from, from your craft as a musician. So Mm So that really is the reason why we moved to Nashville, because we wanted to be able to do this full time, yeah. and Nashville kind of um, allows that to happen. It does. Yeah.
0: I wonder how, if, that, if that's going to stay the same the way Nashville's changing. Ugh. You know what I mean? You know. There's that little string, there's a little, you, you know that little string house <laughs> over there about. on uh, Five Points? No. There's a little house. What is and it? And they sell violin strings. Okay. And, like, bass strings. And it just looks like it's about to get bulldozed because, like, I'm sure their rent 20 years ago was nothing. But now it's just getting well, so huge.
2: I know. I mean, it's weird. Like, I totally see that people's perspective when they're talking about that. But coming from New York, I mean you know, commerce is commerce. Like people are gonna It's gonna be a
4: long time before Nashville's New York. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. Well, yeah.
2: Nashville's never gonna be New York. Like yeah. it's never gonna be that bananas. I mm-hmm. do think that there's a lot of inflation going on with real estate stuff. But um I think that there is a culture in Nashville that is going to remain the way that it is mm-hmm. despite Real estate. Yeah, come,
4: come find me when, like, a room in an apartment is, like, $3,000 a month. Like, Try $5,000. Know, yeah, I have friends like, who literally, yeah. It's that much, you know. Like. Yeah. I Yeah. I yeah. mean,
2: people. I think people are a little up in arms about it for a little bit too, you know, yeah. silly of, a, of an know. agenda. But, you know, I mean, I think, I think that Nashville is super special. And I think that maybe people who haven't lived in New York have more reason to complain about it. But we think it's super amazing. And how, how long ago <laughs> did you move here? um 13 months, 14 months ago. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I didn't realize so I've been
0: living here longer than you have. Oh man, um, we're super new. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because <laughs> when I first, when I first moved here, I was so taken because I'm from New York, so oh, I yeah. didn't know that um <laughs> any place like this existed. <laughs> I thought, you know, when going going down to Broadway and seeing such fantastic mm-hmm. guitar players mm-hmm. and bands um I, it just was like, oh, okay, this this is cool for me because yeah. I didn't know it existed. Yeah. It was such a shock and a surprise yeah, yeah. that I was like, this is <laughs> the place for me. Because all I knew, um, even though I lived in Europe for a year... Um, I hadn't. I wasn't so well traveled um, around America. I really uh-huh. only was back and forth between New York and yeah. L.A. Uh. Maybe D.C. a couple times. Yeah, there's a whole country, but yeah, those there's two a whole cities. bunch of cool <laughs> cultures and stuff in America. I feel feel stupid saying this. Like, no, I mean, according. if you
2: grow up, that's what you grew up in. I didn't. I didn't know any, that anything else existed outside of Swainsboro, Georgia, until I went to New York when I was sixteen with mm. church. I mean, like, like you just don't realize. Until you start, you know, going outside of your own situation a little bit. And, you know, I I kind of had a similar moment when I, one of the times that we were coming through Nashville to kind of scope things out and making the decision that, the, that this was the place that we wanted to be. Um, the kind of thing that I didn't realize existed was the community of songwriters that um, that exists here and that, like, when you go to somebody's house and you we've all been a part of that, when you go to somebody's house, For a party, sometimes it's, like, not really a party. It's like, oh, we're going to sit down and, like, share the song that we wrote this week. Yeah. Um, Like, literally, you know, a couple nights ago, I was at a a friend's house for this gathering, and literally the whole thing was just um, songs. The whole night was wine food and songs and so you know that kind of thing um I, you know some people have that in new york we did not have that in new york mm-hmm. um our community in in new york was the living room and all of our fans we didn't like i didn't have a big giant friend group of songwriters there but here just about everybody I know is a writer and just about everybody I know will host a party at their house. Literally a party of songs. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of thing, when I first discovered it here, I was like, oh my gosh, we, we totally belong here. Uh-huh. You know? For sure. Yeah, I love it.
0: That's great. <laughs> do you want to do another song? Yeah. <laughs> A new EP as
2: well? No, that's actually a brand new song um, that's not on the EP. It's called Wildfire and um, I think it's probably going to be on my next the next full one. length. I yeah. like it. Do don't you
0: don't you feel like when you're recording your album, you're you're always writing for the next the are yeah. thinking about the next album? Yeah. Yeah,
2: for sure. I um I'm trying to be present right now and really give edge of this town the time and and work that it deserves, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, I'm I'm writing a whole ton. Mm-hmm. And it, it's exciting to play new songs, so I thought I'd share that with you.
0: Yeah, thank you yeah. for that. Um, so let's talk about "Edge of This Town." Yeah. The, the whole process. You yeah. um, you flew out to California to record the. Did, the
2: record. well, got flown is the better verb. That's cool. I like that.
0: <laughs> um, they flew you out. Yeah.
2: So long story short, <clears throat> um, we as a band won um, a wonderfully giant prize package of um you know recording an ep they flew us out there so so the place is called zoo labs Mm -hmm. and it is this wonderful mecca of thinkers and and musicians who um really believe in helping artists figure out the balance between creativity and commerce so um so, yeah, in, in October, we found out that we had been selected as this kind of winner. And so in November, like three weeks after we found out we had won, we were there. And, and we brought our old band from New York. And, um, and um, Jimmy and I, together with our guitar player, Rich Hinman produced the, the EP. And I um, oh, just had a, a marvelous experience there. That's awesome. Yeah, full of um, crazy out-of-the-box thinking workshops and, like, you know, (laughs) encouraging your brain to think in crazy ways and and writing on lots and lots and lots of post-it notes. So the people who started Zoo Labs um, were two original Googlers, and they – you know, kind of have brought their strategic processes to the, the, the music world now and, and are are doing this great service for, for musicians. Um, and so what ends up happening is like what you do when you're there is very Google-like. The space mm-hmm. looks like Google if you've ever been in a Google office. Oh, yeah. it, it looks a lot like Google. Um, it feels like Google. There are sleeping quarters. There is a private chef that feeds you breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh. Um, it's super, super
4: amazing. Yeah. and. You record all night, but the, the yeah. it was it was definitely it was great, but it was definitely tiring. It, like yeah, you, you're in kind of business school, LA, right? Yeah, and you record all night. It's
2: grueling. It's very it's, grueling. It they definitely um, and they know that it's grueling. They expect a lot from you because they, you know, <clears throat> they they um, go through a lot of applicants, kind of to select the people that they want to be working with, and so they they expect that you're going to be tired, but they also expect you to really charge through and to. Get yourself to the point where um, not only are you creating a, a wonderful piece of work musically, but you walk away with tools that hopefully are going to help you um, get further along in your career. Mm-hmm. And for us, I think at the moment that means like really um, being smart about how to promote the record. And <laughs> instead of like blowing all your money on a publicist, like think about. Ways that you can promote and in in more current um, online ways that Mm -hmm. might be more effective. Even like Facebook ads are actually quite effective.
0: Really? The ones Uh, that you pay for? The ones that you pay
2: for, and they're actually really cheap for what you get um, out of it. And yeah, that was one of the things that came up in, in, in one of our discussions. And because, you know, publicity, if you've ever, have you ever. If you've ever done a publicity campaign for an album before, no. it's a lot of money. But um, – and back in the day, maybe that was fine for for us um, because we sort of had the means to pay for it. Um, mm. But we don't now because we, you know, are, are doing it totally DIY and, mm. and without day jobs anymore. So, um, so you know, I wrote mm. my own press release a couple of nights ago, for example. But I'll back up um, to our very first part of the conversation – we talked about school. So when I left the music program in Georgia, I finished in public relations. Mm-hmm. So when I say I wrote my own press release, it actually, you know, reads pretty well. Oh yeah. I'm sure it does. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Um, Oh, I wanted to ask you about, um, shoot. It was at the tip of my tongue. Um, mm. oh yeah. Um, I remember, you know, Relics Magazine. Oh. It's, they're like, uh, yeah. yeah. So I remember, uh, I central park summer stage one time I, yeah. I, I, ta- I went to the relics and i asked them like what it takes to get in you know, an ad in there or to get on their sampler cd that they put in every magazine it's like 2500 bucks oh, to totally. get your track on there oh my and, gosh you
2: know. yeah then, there are there are so many things that people don't realize you know even radio play i mean so Paola basically still exists to this day it's now it's
0: totally accepted
2: Right, we just don't call it payola yeah. and and the and and the the majority of the public I'd say are not aware of that um occurring, but I mean, oh my gosh, like the existence of of labels in the current market um is a whole other conversation and and the reality is like we are and what we discussed at Zoo Labs was like, how do we fit into the current market and maximize our exposure and our um, fan experience as best as we can um, without the means of a label because you know the question really is now who needs a label anymore yeah
4: (laughs) i think they brought up too that was kind of interesting is that you know the internet's changed things for everyone Mm -hmm. right and it's very easy to just say oh we can't make it as a musician anymore because the internet the internet's Screwed a lot of businesses up, and yeah. the thing that they're pointing out is that a lot of businesses outside of music have found ways to adjust it, right? And, to, you know, and we use, better, we better because yeah. uh, you know that's the point that they're bringing up is that every business has had to adjust and use the internet and all these social media to promote themselves on the cheap because mm-hmm. a lot of their products are getting given away for free too, yeah. The software the businesses and stuff.
0: That, that's what I'm hoping this podcast does is mm. gives. It allows me to go to the people that I like, that I respect, that yeah. I find intriguing and interesting. Yeah. yeah, give them this, and then hopefully, as I get more and more of these things happening, it it's like it shows like, hey, this is a musician that's been on this podcast, right. and it is like it's a serious deal. Totally, um,
2: it's it's a it's a constant um, attempt to connect with people, mm-hmm. whether it's through a podcast or a live show or a video or you know any kind of fan experience that allows um the artist to be kind of exposed to the fan in a way that the fan craves you know um we think that our fans want certain things from the mary Bragg experience and um and so we do our best to try and deliver that mostly it's like Tears at the end of a song. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that for sure.
0: Yeah. yeah um, what? Um, b- before we end it, uh, like, is there any story that you've had or a performance that you had that was just so mm. like breathtaking, mm. or in, in a space, in a theater, or whatever that you've done that oh, really man. sticks out?
2: Well, um, I've been on the road a lot lately, and um, this last tour was so cool because. It was kind of peppered with, with old fans and fans that have never heard of me before,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and that is always super great because you have the support of people that have known your music for a decade, but then people that are like coming to you with no expectation at all, and they're kind of. they're moved by it and and they kind of freak out at you at the merch table afterwards which is always really pleasant (laughs) and um, you know refreshing to be reminded of so I'd say that the last couple shows that have stuck out would be um, The Living Room in New York musically that was like It was just so great to play with, um...
0: Before... The one before it shut down or the one in Brooklyn?
2: The one in Brooklyn. So it's the same people. Uh So I used to play the living room on Ludlow Street for years and they've always been so good to us and, um and, and we were so bummed when they announced that they needed to close. And really it was always a relocation, but it felt just really sad. Just like with the wash here closing, like, Oh my gosh, like even though we know it's going to reopen soon in some of uh, some other place, it just, it's, it's just a hard thing to see a place that you love so much, um, relocate (laughs) at all. Um, when really it's a good thing in the long run. So back to the living room, their new space is so fantastic. It sounds amazing. It, it, even though it's a lot bigger than the old place, it feels like the old place. Like you walk in and there's a big bar in front, divided by a big giant velvet curtain. Right. Then you go into okay. the main music room in the back. So I saw
0: some so many amazing shows in the, really? the old spot. Oh yeah. Oh, you saw us it, there. It, I'm sure you saw. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah,
2: so it's super great and um so so that show for me there a, a couple of weeks ago was really moving because awesome. like getting to play with the guys who played on this EP again. Like mm-hmm. I, that's one of the things that's super heartbreaking about moving to Nashville is we don't play with those guys right. anymore. Um but you know, such is life and it was a pleasure to be back in New York and and playing with them again it was wonderful. That's great.
0: Yeah. So do you want to you want to play one more? Yeah, so we'll
2: play one? the title track from edge of this town, and, um, and, uh, maybe it'll give our fans when
0: they, I'm it,
1: gonna what
0: they the want I'm going to move the camera angle one more time. Okay, okay. So you can tune up if you want to. Yeah.
2: Did you already, um, are you taking any candidates? so maybe we can post something on Facebook later today? Oh, uh, I can. you want me to give you my phone so you don't have to go out of there? I'll, I'll
0: give you, I'll give you, is that cool for an angle?
2: That's so weird looking! Right,
0: I'll do it from the, here because it was more like up top. Okay.
2: Okay. I mean, listen, do whatever you, I'm just, I'm not used to like this, this like, it looks like yeah, one of like those. A, it's
0: a fish eyed lens. Yeah, it,
2: it looks like a circus in
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> it's so all right. You know what I mean Yeah, I know what you mean It's just Jimmy's head's all shrunk in the back <laughs> Okay
2: Throwcoat A singer's best friend Throwcoat coat.
1: something We saw stars for the very first time for coming in Mary (laughs) thank you Andrew for having us thanks so much
0: what a great voice great songs she'll be playing her EP release party at the basement April 6th at 9 o'clock don't miss it have a good week everybody